This is Rob. I'm E. This is the next movement. Today on the next movement, we'll be talking about <laughs> Goody Mob Soul Food. Ooh. A lot can be said about this album. Let's talk about the year it was made, first of all. 1995. 1995. And so the fact that it garnered so much attention then, specifically like mad respect from the East Coast is kind of incredible and speaks to the album's content because the East Coast was killing shit in 95. So many good albums were released then. Yeah, it's also uh, a very... It feels to me to be a very different kind of record. So in in 95's year of um, Me Against the World... The Infamous. And then Wu-Tang had its own thing going on with uh, Cuban Links, Liquid Swords... Return of 36 Chambers. Return of 36 Chambers... Uh, Bone Thugs, yeah, East 1990 Eternal, uh, Big L's album came out that year. Yeah, Smith and Wesson, four five six, cool your app. Yeah, but then then you've got this, then you have Soul Food, mm-hmm. which I don't know, just feels like it's on a whole another planet, a whole another level. Yeah, because I mean, New York was all about the grime. I mean, it was a really grimy time then, and it was all about the streets and like. And I don't think it was, I mean, I think things came up in, especially like in the infamous, I mean, there's clearly signs of like trauma and you can hear Prodigy and Havoc like working through that, but it wasn't necessarily conscious, if that makes any sense. Yeah. That's what really sets this album apart for me. Yeah. I mean, I think if there's one sort of connecting point between Soul Food and those other records, it is the, like the trauma of like the sort of testament to growing up yeah in a traumatic environment but it's their reaction to the trauma right that sure that feels very different yeah um i mean it wasn't it's not violent for the most part i mean right. it's not it's not a violent or aggressive response no to growing up in oppression and poverty it was i mean this is sort of for me it's it's sort of storytelling at its finest um and and that's what a lot of hip-hop is but they were literally they provided this window for the world to kind of see what was going on in the black community specifically the black community in the south in atlanta and it was that kind of field reporting which hip-hop is sort of known for but they also i mean not just the fact that they were telling a story but they were addressing real shit and they were conscious about doing so i think it's a perfect album yeah. Everything about it, and and this may not be popular, but I think it's it feels more southern, more more like a representative of Atlanta than Outkast's album did, than Southern Playlistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because the sound, I mean, for one thing, organized noise like this, this the production yeah. on this record is it's it's perfect. It's it fits them. It fits Goody Mob, their voice, their uh, what they have to say, like perfectly. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a record from the South. When you imagine, like, if you imagine, like, the Bible Belt and 
yeah southern poverty that's what this record sounds like it's it feels synonymous in my mind and maybe that's because now like in retrospect like we've i've grown to accustomed uh, to uh what's the fucking word that i'm looking for associate southern rap music with this record in my mind but mm-hmm. yeah it really from from the content from from their speech like from the way they talk mm-hmm. from the slang that they use from the albums recording to the instruments that are used feels so southern yeah yeah i mean yeah it's just it's so soulful and has a lot of gospel elements in it too yeah which is when i was a kid and i i listened to goody mob and i really got into them the thing that sort of drew me in was CeeLo. his voice was so unique and it was so powerful yeah and i mean he really sort of championed this duality of rapping and singing i mean people have done it did it before he did but i really think it became an actual thing and you could see you could sort of see his talent shine through in the way he he kind of executed it and i think he when other people other people are influenced by him i mean you can you can tell because he really I mean, that's what the album was throughout. It was him singing and rapping. I mean, there was such an even balance of it. It almost, for me, feels like... Um, like, I don't really think of him on this record as a rapper who's singing. Like, the, it's just so well blended. Mm-hmm. It's, like seam- right. it's like seamless. Like, he transitions from one to the other seamlessly. Right. And, like, effortlessly. And I think part of that is because, like, there's so much of, of them, of, like, Sleepy Brown and CeeLo yeah. and other singing voices incorporated into the music. There's like this gospel feel, the gospel choir sure, feel yeah. to it at times. Yeah. Like they're their own gospel choir that is like laced uh, and woven throughout the album mm-hmm. that when he starts singing, it's some, it just feels right. It just feels like part right. of the like environment. Right, right. And I think it's like you said, it, it's just sort of woven into the album and, and into the group as a, like as a whole, like on, on like, future projects but like when people had done it before and i'm thinking of like the early days of hip-hop it wouldn't there was no even balance it was kind of just like there was a track that like everyone was primarily rapping on and then maybe you would have a more r&b flow yeah but it wasn't connected it it didn't feel sort of like this organic thing right yes it feels organic it feels cohesive yeah it's not like um for some reason nelly is coming to mind (laughs) And, like, Nelly always felt, it always felt like, I don't know, it just always felt forced. And, like, the guy, That's are you, a good word, forced. He's not really, uh, I never felt like this guy's rapping his ass off. He's, it, it never really, right. it never really worked for me. CeeLo, on the other hand, I honestly feel like some of CeeLo's work on this record, some of his verses on this record, are, mm-hmm. like, some of my favorite, they're some of my, I, in my mind, some of the best th- that I can remember listening to as a kid. Yeah. I don't like force is a good word um, because when I listen to it, it doesn't. So when I think when rappers try to sing a lot of times, it's just sounds fucking weird. It, it doesn't sound natural, mm-hmm. but when CeeLo does it specifically on this album, it's, it's perfect. You know, it's just kind of like, well, of course he's singing. He also has a very pleasurable voice. He's got uh, a nice voice. You know, that's another thing. A lot of times when rappers sing, they, they, don't sound good. Yeah. And that's where autotune 
came in and, <laughs> and, and ruined everything. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's natural. It's natural to hear him singing on this album and then anything they did after that. It just became like part of who they were, their identity as a group. Yeah, I think almost, I've kind of wondered if it, that it became too much of their identity. Mm. The interesting thing to me about Goody Mob is like, they weren't supposed to be a group. Right. That uh, Timo and Cujo had their own thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And CeeLo and Gip were solo artists. Yeah, they were all kind of like scattered. And I think it was the label that like LaFace for some reason wanted them to record together. Mm Mm-hmm. Or was looking for a group for some reason. Yeah. And so they all, they decided they were going to record together. And on a, you can't listen to Soul Food. I mean, I, I don't think you can. And not feel like CeeLo is the heart and soul of that group. Yeah. It always seemed to me that when he sort of stepped outside the group and started doing things on his own, that it was mm-hmm. like the end. The end of Goody Mob. Yeah, I think without him, there is no Goody Mob. He's sort of the foundation when they made um, one, one Monkey Don't Stop No Show. Yeah. And the one album they made without him. Yeah. I, I was not picking that up. It's not Goody Mob then. Right. But I still liked him when he was on his own. Remember me from way back in the day. This right around the corner from Benjamin Mays. I'm amazed that we made it this far. Our poor black family is all that we are. Wishing upon the star for a trace of happiness. My mama do her best, but she ain't making no progress. Maybe it's a test that we all gotta pass. My situation's making me grow too fast. Thirteen and a half years old. Standing at the bus stop alone in the cold. On my way to be degraded for a fee. To help get my family off the street. Cause it's a me. Can't do fear what I feel. I just, I, I love his voice. I think it's so unique. I would have preferred that he rapped more. Mm. He left Goody Mom and just started singing, like, all the time. I like, I just like his voice. Like, I love when he covered Bands of Horses. No one's gonna love you. Yeah. Oh, I love that shit. I don't know, his voice just kind of resonates with me. No, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I listen to, to a lot of his stuff. Like, um, honestly, uh. With smiley faces yeah. from Gnarls Barkley. It's yeah. like, in my mind, it's fucking brilliant. Yeah. It's great. It's great writing. Mm-hmm. He sounds amazing. It's a great song. Yeah. I just loved his verse on cell therapy and oh, yeah. wanted him to rap like that like all the time. I mean, it kind of feels similar to Andre 3000 in some ways. Like, mm-hmm. Love Below. It's a great record, but I wanted Andre to rap. Yeah. Not a whole lot of that going on there. Yeah. No, I get it. He's he's sort of the perfect example of someone who can do both. Like, you know how we talked about um, producers who rap? How there's just like no, not a lot of people that can do both. He is definitely a rapper and a singer. He can do both. Yeah, when he raps, it's almost like there's something like um, melodic about it to begin with. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I guess this just goes back to what we're saying about how like sort of natural and organic mm-hmm. and seamless he he seems to go between rapping and singing. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's something like the tone of his voice or something even when he's rapping or the cadence. You know. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is separate, I guess. But one of the things I love about Soul Food is how like it has this this gospel sound, the southern gospel sound. The message is often 
uh, like it's positive. They're talking about difficult stuff, but they're right. also talking about it in a positive way, like uh, unity and and he- yeah. healing and yeah. Uh, and I completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think the the album serves. I mean, there's a lot of different themes going on, but I think that it's it was written to sort of recognize the black community. Absolutely. You know, I see you. We see you. We know what you're going through. You're not alone. This is where we're at. This is where we could be, though. Yeah. We, so let's unite. We got to get together, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I, what I where I was going earlier was about how like how he often sounds like he's preaching. Yeah, yeah, he almost does. On this song, on this album, uh, what is it? Freedom, where the he just tell he like says stop the beat. I don't I didn't even write anything for this. Yeah, and he's just talking. And he's just going in, yeah. Which is like it's just like poetry or, or a sermon. Like it often feels like mm-hmm. he's he's giving a sermon. Yeah, and the message is yeah a lot of the time, uh, unity. You know, we, mm-hmm. people got to wake up. We gotta, yeah, we got to work together. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because they got shit for being conscious. You know, because the South, before that, the South was just about bass and booties. You know, you had you had Luke doing shit in Miami, and it was all about club shit. It was all about that beat. It was about sex. It wasn't, there was really no consciousness. Yeah, you either had that or, like, the ghetto boys were, like, as violent and disturbing yeah. as possible. Raw shit. Um, yeah, there really wasn't anything like like soul food. No. I, I think that's true in a number of ways. Um, I looked up the samples used on soul food. Mm-hmm. I counted seven. Yeah, there's not a lot. That's incredible. In 95, yeah. you release a gold album with seven samples on it. Yeah. I mean, that's a, just a testament to organized noise was... was they were bringing in session musicians mm-hmm. to play actual instruments. Yeah. Like the bass you hear on Soul Food and on Southern Playlistic is it is an, a real bass player in the mm-hmm. studio. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. They were all sort of, they. I mean, they still are, but if you hear them talk just about like their influence and stuff, they're all really drawn by music itself. Mm-hmm. You know, and then rap came later. Mm-hmm. But they were all initially just, they loved music. Yeah, well, uh, the Organized Noise doc on um, mm-hmm. Netflix is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, and I love watching watching those guys talk about, or hearing like Rico Wade's mom talk about mm-hmm. how she would, there would just be music coming from the basement. Like yeah. From the time she woke up to the time she went to bed, just mm-hmm. music 24-7. Yeah. I think it's interesting that they never really lit record anything there it was all just they made music there but they never recorded there did they, they never recorded like they must have recorded demos or something there rough stuff but yeah. like no albums they yeah. never recorded any of their albums at the time i'm sure like when LaFace was like ready to sign outcast they were like you can't make a record in this space yeah probably not yeah but but it clearly like was a part of their identity like yeah the dungeon family yeah is who they came to be because of the dungeon, because of the studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder if the energy would have felt different if they actually made an album there. I don't... It's hard for me to imagine being able to make an album that actually sounds like Soul Food or Southern Playlistic in that basement. 
Did you see, like... Because of the acoustics and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Also because, like, it's tiny. It was, like, the yeah, size of a closet. Ass, and, yeah, crowded Yeah. And... Dreary you, basement. How do you have, like, session musicians playing in that That's en- true. environment? Although, yep. they must have laid... I don't know. I love the, the like, the old uh, UMTV raps. Uh, yeah, they... Clips they with go. Fab Five Freddy actually going <laughs> in there. into the yeah. dungeon with them. Yeah. And the, the dirt floor and everything. Exposed yeah. pipes. Yeah. Um... Yeah, when uh, Rico Wade, like in the documentary, he goes down there and he's like, basically like giving the camera crew a tour and I'm like, damn, this would make me a little claustrophobic if I was down here. And you know there was a shit ton of people in there. Because it wasn't just Outkast and Goody Mob, it was just kind of like... Oh, the... PA, PA, parental advisory and yeah. everybody. Yeah. I just kept imagining the smell. <laughs> that... I just imagined, like, it smelled fucking terrible. Had to. <laughs> <laughs> mostly like weed i'm sure i think they say that on the documentary but what's great about it is like those those they were like family yeah which yeah. which makes for me at least it makes those early records like so much better they're talking about unifying and and coming together and mm-hmm. they actually did that i mean they're like yeah 12 dudes sleeping on the floor of rico wade's mom's house trying to get a record deal yeah and they didn't get paid shit for soul food they got $20,000. Goody Mom? Uh-huh. Yeah. Split between four guys. <laughs> That's nothing. Like, What's hilarious about that, though, is like Gip and CeeLo, that was even when Southern Playlistic was released. Yeah. And when Players Ball hit the radio, Yeah. Gip and CeeLo said they walked off their jobs. It wasn't even their record. I mean, that's how close these guys were. Yeah. They heard, they heard Players Ball on the radio and thought, okay, we're going to make it. This is it. And they walked off their jobs. They took that leap of faith. It's crazy. It's very crazy. I mean, but that shows their drive for me. And and I mean, to keep going after you only made $20,000, I mean, that's kind of like, I don't know. For me, and my anxiety, I would be like, no, I got to get a 9 to 5 again. Like, this isn't <laughs> enough to sustain me. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how they got by. And I imagine the deal they signed was like a multiple album they committed to multiple albums I'm sure so they yeah had, they had a contract to yeah to fulfill but yeah i didn't i didn't know that i didn't know they got paid that little i mean i know like organized noise when they uh when they first uh inked their deal like didn't get paid shit they didn't make any money uh, yeah i'm sure which is why i think they strategically did not use samples like i've heard rico wade say no we're not paying for that shit that makes sense I mean, and I, I wish I could actually see, like, what people have paid to sample. Um, I, I sort of want a visual breakdown. The fact that, so even if, even if that was the case, they were, yeah. like, um, strapped for cash and, like, couldn't afford to pay for samples, the fact that they were able to make what they made without it anyway. Yeah. It's still, right. it's still incredible. And, like, nobody nobody else was doing that. Nobody else was bringing in. No live bass players to lay down bass lines like that just wasn't happening in hip-hop. yeah it really was about the music for them which made them really i mean yeah it, they made them it made them really unique everything about like i said before i think everything about the record feels unique to that part of the country yeah um you know so i watched a, a interview with black thought recently and he was saying how he's tried throughout his career he's tried not to let 
things limit like how creative he can be mm-hmm. with his lyricism with his lyrics yeah including the pronunciation of words mm-hmm. right yeah so you intentionally mispronounce or stretch pronunciation in order to get it to to fit yeah 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 i feel like these guys do that a lot on on their records mm-hmm. and 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 I'm, but it feels very natural like i th- oh yeah i think it's just a part of like how they talk it's like yeah. their southern slang but it also enables them to like to rhyme words in a way that other people can't yeah i also think their their flow if you ever try to go home and look up the lyrics for um cell therapy and try to rap along to it like you really have to s- sort of memorize their flow because it's so unique it's like it's it's choppy yeah 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 except for CeeLo and CeeLo's is like smooth like butter it is and it's easy to follow the other guys though yeah like Cujo is oh yeah Cujo is like it's like abrasive it's like it's like sharp and it's choppy and it's it always sounds aggressive no matter what he's talking about yeah yeah I love I love in the song Soul Food. I mean it's this sort of uh, warm feeling song. Yeah. Like you can imagine them just like in the video, like around the dinner table, you know. Eating, yeah. Having a having a warm southern meal. Uh huh. But in the middle of the song he's like yeah. Fuck Marsha Clark <laughs> It almost sounds like sometimes it almost sounds like he has Tourette's. Because it's like nah 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 like it's just but it works though. It no, it really, it really does. I love the idea of, on paper, like the idea of Cujo and Timo together in a duo. Yeah. Sounds great, but have you ever listened to um, the Lumberjacks album? No. Honestly, I think it might just be the music that, that makes it not good. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might just be the music. I don't know. Yeah. I wanted it to work. And maybe, maybe like in '95, it would have worked. The Lumberjacks album didn't actually get to us till like Mm-mm. ten years ago or something. And they were like, "We're the Lumberjacks because we live in the country." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, this album is. If you ever needed an argument, if you ever needed to back up the argument that hip hop consists of historic black cultures and customs i mean this is a perfect example hmm. just but the content they use the sound of it yeah the storytelling uh, yeah it's almost that's interesting because i hadn't really thought about it that way before but um yeah you might you might say that it's like it's almost like black like folk music like um yeah uh, there's there's certainly a, like a historical element to it mm-hmm Food for the 
soul. Listen to what I tell you, it don't matter, young or old. It's time we look up and do like we suppose. We killing each other over this bullshit and some clothes. We strapped up in this world society with no place else to go. So how you feel? I think that the title of the album is a double entendre. It's a reference to food, but... Also, food for thought, knowledge. Yeah. And I don't know if they did that on purpose, but it totally works. So what drew you to this album when you were a teenager? I don't know. I don't really remember, but my instinct, like my initial reaction to that is I, is Outkast. Okay. Um, yeah, because they were so intertwined. Yeah, I was a big Outkast fan. I loved Southern Playlistic. Yeah. I love Players Ball. You know who directed that video, right? The Puffy Puff Daddy, yeah. <laughs> this was really weird. I mean, that's strange to think about. He's so... You know, I can't... I need to talk, stop talking shit about him because he... Say what you want about his corniness, but, like, he did a lot of, like, important shit in hip-hop. And what, it's random like that. What, what I think what makes it hard to believe is... Like, the, the image of Puff that I have in my mind is the image from, like, the late 90s where he's, like, dancing around in shiny suits and and ad-libbing behind every recording he ever made and right. inserting himself, like, into the music. All the time. But but the video for Player's Ball is is so Atlanta, is so oh yeah true to Outkast in the Dungeon. I mean, they filmed it in Rico Wade's house. Yeah. Like, they're... It feels very authentic. Yeah. So I would never have guessed. No, I had no idea. That he had anything to do with it. Yeah. But I was always... Uh, so I think Outkast is part of what drew me to the record. Because I knew Goody Mob was mm-hmm. associated with them. And, and that they were on the album. Yeah. In a couple spots. Yeah. But um, I think the other thing that really made the record stick for me is... <laughs> I You know, I grew up at a conservative christian household spent Mm -hmm. a lot of time in church yeah and this album felt more i don't i want to be i was going to say more acceptable but i'm not sure that's the right word because there's so much like religion interlaced into the lyrics into the sound and Mm -hmm. that gospel sound yeah um it feels like church okay and in sections of it there was something about that that felt relatable to me Okay. In a way that, like, the infamous couldn't. I mean, I could never... Right, that's... Yeah. I could never really connect personally with what Mob Deep was talking about. Right. But the the idea that when you go through hard times, you turn to your faith mm-hmm. or you pray... Yeah. ...was something that I could understand. Right. Something that I could connect to. That's something you had in common. Yeah. Yeah. It so makes I, a lot of sense. So I think that's one of the reasons why it really stuck with me. And I still, it's still one of the records like I turn to today. I listen to this record a lot still. Yeah, I mean, it's it's timeless. It's pretty powerful too. And I, I don't think it gets enough credit. It always seemed to me to like sit in the shadow of Outkast. Yeah, I agree with that. Which I don't really think is fair at all. If you, if you compare the debuts, I think Soul Food is a much more powerful debut. Yes. Hands down. More, far more far more cohesive. It's yeah. a, it feels like a complete package. Yeah. Um which is interesting. I mean just 
knowing the history of Southern Playlistic, like how they all worked on that album. Like it yeah. wasn't really just an outcast record. Like they all felt like it was their album. Yeah. The whole Dungeon family. Um, it, yeah, it always felt to me like Soul Food was kind of sort of like this afterthought. Like, oh, there's Outcast record, and then there's Soul it's Food. here, yeah. Uh, yeah, which is just, I think, uh, an injustice. Because it's a fucking fantastic album. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it gets enough shine. I mean, in the hip-hop community, I think real recognizes real, but on a larger scale, nah. Which is a shame. But cell therapy oh. was huge. So huge. So huge. It I'll... still bumps, too. I remember when I watched Moonlight, and... I mean, if, you, if you've seen the movie, you know that it's... So Nicholas Bertel, like, scored the whole thing, and it's very... has this very, like, classical, like, feel to it. And then, all of a sudden... Like, so, you see the the character when he's an adult, he's, like, in this, like, souped-up ride, and then cell therapy comes on, and it's bumping. <laughs> and I thought that was such a dope way to sort of, like, segue into the character's adulthood, and, like, in that particular scene, it was so tight. Yeah, the song itself is, like, has a cinematic feel to it. Oh, yeah. And it, it certainly helps that it starts when the scene unfolds. Yeah. It's like you're, you're, you're watching a movie. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, um, and it hold, like the track holds you in suspense. Yeah. I have this vivid memory of, uh, I mean, I was probably, I don't know, I'm maybe in seventh, seventh or eighth grade. Yeah. Going to class. I went to a, a predominantly white private school. And I went, I went to class and sat down, look up at the board, and someone had written the a portion of CeeLo's verse from Cell Therapy on the board. And I was shocked. I was like, who the hell knows this song besides me? <laughs> That's hilarious. Which, which I think like is just a testament to how popular that song was. Yeah, it was, it was big. It was big. I think that's when they really started to rise. People caught wind of that. Mm-hmm. Not to mention that they're credited with coining Dirty South. Yeah, that was it, that album. Also, I think also one of the first times trap, like the word trap, uh-huh. is used on record. Yeah. I, like I saw an interview with Gip a while ago who was talking about how they were so influential that like everybody who came after them owes them some... gratitude and i thought like that's a little that's overstepping a little but then i started thinking about him saying trap him using the word trap on that album and that's all we listen to now i mean that's all you hear is trap music that's all you hear that's not all i listen to but i I mean like we (laughs) like the the collective we like the larger public yeah and and it but it's it's funny because so they they talk about trapping on soul food, but it the way that it's discussed now is night and day. Like yeah. if you hear um, Gip tell it, people are actually like trapping in music as opposed to just talking about it and saying, "Fuck, I don't want this life anymore. This is what I gotta do." Right. 
you know it's just it's the the tone is different the message is different yeah no when it was referred to on soul food it was referred to as like there was some levity to it there was yeah some realness like this life has consequences right not this is what i'm doing this is how i'm making my money like let's get this paper right i'm gonna keep trapping so how what was it like for you like growing up spending some time in the south and hearing this record so they were i mean outcast was huge um so i lived in biloxi mississippi so outcast was huge you know i remember when at aliens came out it was all people were listening to Mm -hmm. um and goody mob goody mob was sort of there too but like you said in the background so outcast sort of overshadowed them yeah um but they were both i mean collectively they, they were both pretty popular groups in the south as you can imagine and then you know of course there was no lemon and cash money and then they sort of took over yeah but yeah i, I can remember people walking around singing elevators and cell therapy was huge too mm-hmm. but yeah it was i don't know that i mean the south is a different world having like grown up here sort of kind of because my family's from central pennsylvania going there was just kind of it was a huge learning experience for me hmm. just do things differently there yeah yeah i haven't spent a ton of time in the south but like i have traveled enough there and i spent enough time the place that comes to mind is savannah i spent some time in savannah georgia mm-hmm. it's like just the vibe just the vibe is different. People are nicer down there too. Like, yeah, it's a slower pace of life. Yeah. People are are there's a there's a different sense of community or camaraderie. I agree with that. The community, it's it's a big piece of the South. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in the Black community. Um, yeah, which I, you know, from my perspective, is a necessity. Yeah. Given the history of the South. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. Maybe that's that's interesting to think about. Maybe that's why there's still community and unity in that way because you know during the civil rights era, the North and the South were completely different worlds for Black folks. I mean, obviously the North wasn't wasn't completely different. I mean, mad discrimination here too, but it was a fucking war zone in the South. I mean, it was hell for black people. So it's it's interesting to think about whether or not that unity comes from that. We're all we had. Right. I mean... Okay, I think it's part of the message on soul food. Yeah. Um, and part of the brilliance of soul food also. Like, yeah. That message seems to me to also be something that might be particularly unique to the South. Yeah. But it also plays like with a wider... Like who, who doesn't want to be a part of some support supportive community right so it plays to a wider audience too i'll tell you when goody mob started going wrong is when they tried to make their sound like more accessible more mainstream like world party is a terrible album and it's in my mind it's because they were trying to like make radio hits and like become more mainstream yeah which took them out of their lane you know I mean, that could have been because of a variety of different reasons. They could have got pressure from... from the, yeah, I'm sure the label had something to do with it. Yeah. 
I heard, I don't know if it was Timo or Gip, could have been Cujo too. It's it's hard to tell them apart sometimes when they're talking, when they're like on the radio and I can't see them. Yeah. Um, but one of them, I think it was, I think it was Gip, said that at some point, some executive on the label came up to them and was just like, don't you get your dick sucked? And they were kind of like, what? <laughs> Making the point, like, why do you always talk about serious shit? Like, can't you talk about anything else? Yeah. And Gip was like, you know, I, I think he was kidding, but I also think he was serious because he thought that we were really serious. It's heavy shit, though. Yeah. But they all say, I've heard them all say, like, yeah, it's heavy shit, but we'll never, we'll never give that up. We'll never not talk about the real. It always felt like the kind of thing that, like, they had to talk about. Like, how could you not talk about this stuff? Right. You're given a voice. You're, like, given a microphone. And people are going to, people outside of your community, outside of your area, are going to get a chance to hear about what things are like. How could you not talk about it? And it really is therapy. To get that shit out. Absolutely. I mean, if the world hears it, that's a bonus, but, like, that's your outlet. Right. I'm trying to think of the song. From Soul Food? Yeah, it, um, I Didn't Ask to Come, mm-hmm. which follows, like, the funeral mm-hmm. sketch, uh, which is also, I don't know, there's something, you know, obviously incredibly poignant about them including a funeral sketch and like rapping about funerals that that feels uh, representative to me of why soul food is different than a lot of other albums that came out at that time but yeah timo at the beginning of um i didn't ask to come says every day somebody gets killed it's 1995 yeah and i just want to live every day somebody gets killed what's the deal it's 1995 and the nigga want to live life that people dream i want things a crib a car while living a life of a king i know i take for granted at times but what i got still hustling bustling now and then i slang a rock or two to come up a steady battle through the days mama think i'm wrong because i want to get paid the system man give the team over chance when it's true on the loose and black trying to get this loose a little slack around my neck they're making it hard for a brother to cope it's still illegal to smoke sex because they can't tax i'm ready to go up in the white house with my axe and chop up shit until they give so that's it. I mean, why why make the put up this bullshit? Right. In ninety five and two thousand five, whatever it is. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. How could you not talk about that? There's some other song. I'm not even sure if it's on Sofu. Where Gip is talking about, he, he makes reference to how, like having how many friends' bodies does he have to hold? It's also it's also really trauma informed. Like there's the acknowledgement of the struggles of their community and sort of them giving a message to community like we see you we know what you're going through mm-hmm. but also giving alternatives to bad habits right to self-medicating at some point i forget what song it is but they're talking about someone says about smoke and cess and and then they say you know i get why you do it more or less but it's not going to help you right you know, and I just, I feel like they're, they're in other albums where rappers are talking about 
their experience and the shit they've gone through. They're they're telling you what's going on. They're they're telling you it's sort of like what you said, like a reaction to what's happening. I mean, but there's no sort of uplift, I guess. There's like there's no sort of like, yeah, like I'm fucked up. But I'm going to do this and things are going to get better. Yeah, like, there's, there's no... There's a certain hopelessness. Yeah. Like, life's, yeah. life's a bitch comes to mind. Right, yeah. Like, life's a bitch and then you die. Yeah. So I'm going to get high. Yeah. What else can I do? Yeah. What? Whereas Goody Mob is saying, like, uh, we can get together and keep fighting. I mean, there's a fucking song called Fighting. Yeah. On Soul Food. I mean, and I'm even thinking of Survival of the Fittest when Prodigy is saying that New York's got him depressed. But he wears a slug proof underneath his vest. So it's just like there's no That's the only hope I can wear. Right. I can wear a vest. That's the only thing that I can do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they never thought that they had there were other solutions, or maybe no one ever offered them healthy well, solutions. I think uh, I mean I don't want to assume too much, but Atlanta's in the Bible belt. There's a certain like intrinsic uh, spirituality yeah. that I think is often associated with that part of the country. And if you grow up in that environment, sort of handed this yeah. this hope, yeah, it, it's passed down. That does I don't know that that necessarily happens if you're living in Queensbridge or one yeah. of the five boroughs. If you grow up in a, in a in a similar sort of environment, I don't know that you're handed that tradition. I yeah, I think it's. I mean, religion has always been a huge part of the black community, huge. Yeah. Um, but I think. It's so much more, the tradition is so much more carried on in the South versus families growing up in New York. Like, I just feel like it's such a Southern, like you said, it's just a Southern thing. Yeah. And I know that's like a, that's a generalization. It is. And I I know that. Yeah. Um, But I mean, there certainly are some cases where I think that's true. Yeah. It's just like this thing you do when you grow up in the South. It's It's just a part of your routine. And I don't know that that's, again, not saying that it's not part of communities here, but I don't know that it's, necess- the tradition is necessarily passed down. Yeah. That routine is passed down. Yeah. And almost like, I mean, I've seen families not living in the South and it almost like skips a generation. Mm-hmm. Like maybe grandma goes to church, but the son or daughter doesn't. Yeah. You know, and then in turn the grandchildren don't. Right. Or maybe some of them do, but yeah. I want to say, I don't want to say I'm surprised that this album got so much recognition, particularly from the East Coast, but in a way I kind of am because of its content. Because it wasn't really, I mean, not that consciousness wasn't in other albums before, but like not in the same way. Apocalypse uh, comes to mind. Only, only because, maybe only because I read something that, claimed that Tupac was a huge Goody Mob fan that that claimed that he at one point wanted to, like wished he could join the group I think he was supposed wasn't he wasn't he didn't he hang out with Outkast too I don't know I thought there was talks about them doing music together okay I don't know that they I don't think they ever did but yeah but but Tupacalypse comes to mind just because it, it also like like we talked about it also feels like a clear a very clear picture of poverty and violence and yeah and a reaction to that Mm -hmm. in a a very conscious way like i'm not just violent for the sake of being violent it's not it's not like it's dark and hell's hot yeah 
um, we we don't get much of the backstory. You only get the aggression and the yeah. To Apocalypse, I feel like has that. I mean, obviously he's coming at it from a different perspective. Sure. But it has a similar sort of feel to it. I mean, he preaches on To Apocalypse. I mean, there's. He does. I think the difference between that's a really good comparison. I think the difference between the two is again, Goody Mob offers some hope. Because mm-hmm. even in Tupacalypse, I mean, he's not saying, fuck it, like, I'm just fucking violent. Like, he offers some explanation as to why things are the way they are. But I still don't finish that album feeling like, yeah, like, I got something to... He's more or less yeah. delivering facts. No, a lot of the times, actually, it's like, he'll tell you why he's violent, but then he'll, he'll follow that up by saying, like, I don't have a choice. Yeah, so fuck you. This is the only yeah. option you've given me. So Yeah. Yeah. But Goody Mob is saying, like, you don't have to do this. Mm-hmm. We understand why you're doing it. We've done it. But there's a better way. Mm-hmm. How did it get so weird? I don't really understand how everything got just fucking weird with the Dungeon family. Like, it went from from something that felt very unique and very Southern mm-hmm. to, like, we're going to try to be the next fucking George Clinton parliament psychedelic off the wall weirdo bullshit i don't know i don't know because those early days it was so soulful i mean it again it was southern and yeah i went back recently and listened to um the dungeon family album yeah and was like i was struck first of all by how much it sounded like stankonia Mm -hmm. i mean a lot of the beats on there sound like stankonia outtakes Mm mm-hmm but Stankonia was fucking weird in some ways. It was like a departure. The beats, yeah, were. The beats, the singing, some of the like the harmonies, it's like off the wall shit happening. Yeah. I remember I remember getting Stankonia and playing it with some friends for the first time. And I can't remember the name of the first the first track came on and my buddy was like, What the fuck is this? I was like, yeah, I don't know. It's like night and day. Right. Night and day. Shit just got weird. They're all, the cover of Dungeon Family album, they all got fucking costumes on. I don't know, maybe they just went through this fucking weird fate. I don't know. I never understood it. I don't know, maybe they were influenced by something and just kind of went with it. It's interesting. Cocaine, maybe? Well, maybe. <laughs> I was watching, Do you did you ever watch uh, Rhythm Roulette? No. It's really cool. So, um, Mass Appeal does it. So it's, so they will take a producer. So organized noise, the beat miners, static selector, a bunch of people, and they will blindfold them and they'll take them to the record store and literally they'll pick just a bunch of albums and then they have to go and make a beat with the albums. Mm -hmm. And so, Organized Noise was on there, and I I was just fascinated by the way that they could just kind of take like a small portion of whatever record they have and just make it into this beat. All that to say, it was not this futuristic funk sound. It was soulful. Right. Which is like the, get back to that. Right, exactly. Um, yeah. They took a turn and went in a completely different direction. Weird shit. 
But I like, I don't know, like some of the older stuff, like I like a lot of stuff on Stankonia. I mean, I don't think you can compare, like, I think you just have to take the album for what it is. I don't think you can go back and be like, well, you know, like, I think sometimes you just have to appreciate it for what it is and leave it at that. I understand, I understand though being accustomed to sat, like a certain, you, you come, you've grown to know a certain group of producers or a group of rappers or whatever by their sound. So when they come to the table with something completely different that sounds fucking otherworldly, you're like, what is this? Sometimes that works. Like, yeah, the, the sonic sort of transformation that happened between Midnight Marauders and Beats, Rhymes, and Life. Mm-hmm. Like, was not a huge, not, not, not a drastically different sound. Yeah. But it was different. Yeah. I mean, it was a, yeah. It was a sort of departure for a tribe. Yeah. <laughs> That's one thing. But like on Stankonia, you have Gasoline Dreams is the first first track. Yeah. Okay. You have that, which I don't know what the fuck that is. <laughs> and So Fresh and So Clean, which is like, that's still like Cadillac music. Yeah. That bit. Yeah. The beat. And there's a number of songs on that album like that. I don't know. I don't either. They were just trying new shit, I guess. I guess. <laughs> or, I don't know. Like, people are fucking weird. Maybe they just got hooked on some shit and they were like, this is the direction we want to go. And they made this shit happen. Yeah, and I, I, don't, I don't mean to sound... Like, I get that artists have to grow and change and, like, right. try new things. And I'm, I'm all for that. And... I'm not saying I hated Stankonia or yeah. didn't like the Love Below or yeah. Um, I love I love those records. I just um, really really loved the stuff that came before that. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of this is not the same thing at all, but when every time I don't want I I fucking hate talking about him because I hate him now, but. Kanye and you're wearing a Kanye shirt. Um, as just to clarify, <laughs> this is sort of an anti-Kanye shirt. I didn't even read it. I just saw. I just see his face staring at me. No one man should have all the. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, when my beautiful dark twisted fantasy came out, I remember talking to people and they were like, "What the fuck is this?" Like, people that were, like, loved him and, like, I think we're still sort of stuck on the college series. Yeah. But I remember when that came out, and I don't know who, I think it might have been my sister, but she was like, yeah, I don't know. And I just remember, and I remember people just not, they fucking hated it. Because it just didn't sound the same. It was just, it was like, some of the stuff is weird. Like, if you if you go back and compare it to the old stuff. Sure. That's definitely different. I fucking loved it, though. <laughs> like, so I don't know. I, I guess in some cases, it like you said, it works and it doesn't. And that worked for me. So I see both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That was, uh, that was... A relevant example for me. Yeah, I think there are others. Uh, yeah. I realize that we could talk about Goody Mob, and we could talk about CeeLo Green. Yeah. And we could talk about all the fucked up shit he has said on Twitter about women and rape and sexual harassment. See, I don't know. I don't... 
first of all, I like I think I've gotten on Twitter once this enti- like the entire year of last year, like maybe once. So I don't like I didn't hear anything. Well, it's about not. It. It, I mean, it's not all on Twitter, but like it, yeah. he was accused. He was accused a couple of years ago of uh, sexual assault. I think really? it was sexual assault. That's why he. That's why he wasn't on. He got kicked off the Voice. Shit! I didn't know that. Because of allegations of inappropriate behavior, or I don't remember exactly what it was. But then, you know, later after that, like every dumbass with a big mouth in history, social media got on Twitter and started saying stuff that he immediately regretted about consent and rape. Oh, and... boy. Oh, CeeLo. Yeah, I did not know that. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't watch voice or anything like that. And I, um, I feel like I'm just not always in tune with, like, pop culture. Um, yeah. Well, there's a good reason not to be. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I actually had no idea that that happened. That kind of sucks. I hate when you find out who people really are. It just ruins everything. Nowadays, it's like every other person. It feels like every day there's a there's a new allegation. Every day there's some other male artist that's like taking a hit. Yeah. Do you listen to Ryan Adams? Not really. Okay. He's another. I don't. What is, what genre would you say he's? He's like a singer songwriter. I think. Yeah. But he's really taking a hit right now. I mean. Yeah. Apparently he's been, he was really abusive to women, like and people they came out. So this I think this maybe this is a larger conversation, but it, the question keeps coming up for me is like what do what do you do with these artists' work now? Like what are you supposed to do with with Ryan Adams' music or fuck them? Honestly, like so here's my thing: I wouldn't tolerate this from somebody I actually know. So why am I going to continue to support somebody that I don't? So you're saying, like, get rid of their music. Get rid of their art. I mean... We don't need that. I don't necessarily think you have to, like, run it over with your car. (laughs) But I tell you what, since... Here we go again. Since Kanye did all that crap and has been having the way he's been behaving, I have not listened to him. I can't tell you the last time I listened to a Kanye West song. No. If I've heard it, then it's because I've been out or somebody's had it on, but I will not. I just, I'm done. I'm not supporting you if you're a terrible person. Like, I'm just not. And I don't, uh, like, and that's, like, if you really think about it, and I, I get it. I get when it's, it's hard to separate the art from the person, especially if they really influence you. I remember whenever Khalees accused Nas of being abusive. Yeah. That was hard. I love Nas. Mm -hmm. And so to hear that, it's like, fuck. But he also spoke out about it. And I just, I don't know. I feel like just in hearing him talk about women and like in interviews and stuff like that, I just got a better sense of the situation. So I made a decision to continue to support him. That's my decision. Um, But all that to say, if you're terrible and you continue to be terrible and I don't get a sense from you that this is either false or whatever the fuck, then I just, I'm done. Like, what's his name? Fucking uh, Liam Nielsen. That bullshit, did you hear about that? No, he's been accused of stuff too. Well, so there's this this 
interview footage that's out now in the universe where he was talking to someone. It's an audio clip. And he was retelling the story about how one of his um, friends, a woman, she was sexually assaulted. And he asks her who did it. And she says, a black guy. And he goes on to say, you know, that whole week, like, I just would wish a black bloke would just argue with me so I could whoop his ass, basically. He would, like, go to black neighborhoods just waiting for somebody to instigate him so he could, like, knock him out. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm done with you. Like, I don't want to watch any of your fucking movies. And it's funny, because... Right before that happened, I just watched a movie and it was really good and he was in it. <laughs> um, but now I'm just like, no, I'm not giving you my money. Like, I'm just not. Like, I, and again, like, I was talking to my sister about it. I'm just like, I'm done. I wouldn't tolerate this behavior from somebody I know, let alone somebody I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. Some, a friend of mine recently asked me, how come we are, how come we're okay with Michael Jackson, but we're not okay with R. Kelly? Did Michael Jackson, did, so did allegations actually come out? Have people come forward, multiple people come forward and said, Michael Jackson abused me? Yes. Multiple people pressed charges. Multiple people took Michael Jackson to court. They lawyered up and he settled out yeah. of court. <laughs> exactly. I guess, so for me, okay. So that, for me, I don't know, maybe it's different because that evidence is has never been, I think we didn't know, we didn't know a lot about it at a lot about of those accusations because they were subtle. I think it was a lot of that was kept private. I mean, you hear people say he got taken to court, maybe, but like I don't know. For me, maybe no, I just don't know. Like attention. detailed information, like right. there is with R. Kelly. Like yeah, people making documentaries about it and stuff. But it was. I mean, the reason I know about it is because it was in the paper. Like I remember reading about it. Here's another good example. Um, Marvin Gaye. Yeah, I mean the list goes on and on. Like I, I love Marvin. I still listen to Marvin Gaye. Right. My my only answer I could come up with to my friend was, well, R. Kelly's still acting like a piece of shit. I mean, publicly. Yeah. And it's like I don't give a fuck. Exactly. There's no. There seems to be zero awareness. Yeah. Of what he's being accused of, or yeah. what it might mean, for anyone. Yeah. Uh. I don't know if that's a good excuse or not, but his behavior makes it much easier to be like, well, fuck you. I'm, I'm, don't want to have anything to do. Pump his asshole, yeah. 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 I mean, you're right. We pick and choose. There, uh, so, like, I love Aziz Ansari. I loved Louis C.K. All right. But now Louis, but yeah. Louis, Louis has not, he doesn't seem to have, like, learned his lesson. Like, he still can't seem to get it right. He makes these, like, surprise public appearances and still makes these off color jokes that, like, he, I heard him the other fucking day saying the N-word over and over and over again. Right. So now that's that shit does not land anymore. And yeah. you, you've got to figure that out. Like, you've got to figure out now how what you're saying sounds. You've got to figure out, like, how you are going to be perceived now. Right. And adjust accordingly. Aziz Ansari gets accused. And I, ha- I haven't heard a damn thing about it since it happened. No. Um... And I, and I assume that's because he's kept his fucking mouth shut. Yeah, I've not heard a peep, actually, from him since he was accused. So, I don't know, maybe that's the difference. It's like, some people seem to face these accusations and don't 
say anything or do anything to mm-hmm. make you think like this is still an ongoing issue and that makes it okay yeah to go back to their art while others just don't shut the fuck up <sighs> sorry but this is, this is bringing me down i don't i it sucks because like you find out who people are and it ruined it like and that's i i i think you have to be more i have to be more conscious of that like we don't fucking know these people we really don't yeah so let's just not find out who people are i'd rather not honestly i don't want to know about you like let's just listen to soul food Let's not think about CeeLo getting kicked off the voice because he Damn, was accused of harassing someone. I did not know that. That sucks. Yeah, I, remember, I have this. Uh, it was like a couple years ago. Killer Mike was collaborating with him on something and like posted about it mm-hmm. on Instagram, and somebody was giving him shit because he was working with CeeLo. Stuff. Yeah. All right, that's enough rambling for one night. Yeah, we don't want to take you down a deep dark hole. There are many we could explore. Many, many. But we'll have to wait until next time, I guess. Yeah. So it's a wrap. All right. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram, TNM Philly, where you can just look for the next movement. Yeah. Check us out on your favorite podcast platform of choice. We're there. Don't sleep on it. I'm E. I'm Rob. This is the next movement. Peace. Peace. Hope I get another chance to live life As I know 430 was the time I'm feeling the pain in my chest I guess I smoke too much sex Making a nigga more slow I'm but it don't end Only begin bubbling Under who was the cool Thick mist in the trail I'm feeling pressure Off the left spot Appetizer swine No time to win in the same breath You telling me don't eat from that plate Increasing my blood outbreak On my skin don't blend With the way I want this thing to flow If I can help the cause Don't have to treat it with no tricks You telling me cancer on the Stick, visualize destruction Soon to come from within the city We call it lashes, praying like a mantis Every day ain't good In the woods of Southwest I stress in my rhymes Fighting for your spirit and your mind So what it be like? My brother be catching gangrene The water be burned in the morning In my sink, who that in my eye? Some clever getting eaten away by fungi Another virus, disease at ease Quick to lead a strike against Haiti We have your army in the bed Sick with pains in their back And behind the head With doctors giving more Medicaid But ain't no aid same for now, didn't give a damn who, only one that's a dumb, now your hands numb, can't run, oh age before 13, is this what you wanted when you signed your cock on the line, fighting for your spirit and your mind, service to my kind.